You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning out there in Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio. I want to thank our loyal listeners. More than 15 years with us. This is something I thought I would never even do. 15 years plus. So thank you to our loyal listeners. It is a gorgeous day here in the eastern part of the United States where I am coming to you live this morning. And if this is your first time Coming over to Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, I just want to tell you that you absolutely are listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. And I want to start this show with a thought for you, and I want to say happy, happy Easter to those out there who celebrate Easter or new life, new beginnings, the resurrection. I Happy, happy, blessed Easter to you. And this thought that I want to leave with you is from Khalid, and it says, Positivity, confidence, and persistence are key in life, so never give up on yourself. Never, ever, ever, ever give up on yourself. Man, you go through some hard things sometimes, and you think you're never going to get through it, but if you keep going and you look back over your shoulder and you go, Wow, I never even thought I was going to get through that. And actually, this wasn't going to lead into, you know, I, I do this every Saturday with you guys uh, and and awesome, awesome women. Uh, but this is something that I hadn't planned to, to, to lead into. But speaking of never giving up on yourself, there is a character in the book, Love Pour Over Me. His name is Raymond Clark. He is He's a middle-distance runner on his way to the Olympics, and it's kind of like what the Olympics being delayed with this COVID his situation is a little bit in some ways like that. And then also his childhood, he, he's academically gifted and, and athletically, but he has a very turbulent childhood. He and his father have a complicated, strained relationship. And there are times when he wants to give up on himself. But like Khalid said, positivity, confidence, and persistence are key in life. So never give up on, your, give up on yourself. And I'm sure that's what he would say to Raymond. And when you read Love Pour Over Me, I'm sure you would root for Raymond. People who read the book, they love Raymond and they're rooting for him. But he goes through a lot of challenges, even after he meets his soulmate, Brenda, at college. And he has four friends who are friends for life. But there's also something that happens his very first day on campus, he meets somebody who's going to become a problem, and he, but who, who appears to be a friend, and he also witnesses something. And so there's a mystery in this novel as well. And is, one of, is Raymond responsible for what happens or one of his friends? And it's a very serious event that occurs early, early in the story when he gets to college. But if you value relationships and you love a mystery, and I mean a good mystery, and you value relationships, the friendships, the soulmate relationships, the parent relationships, which sometimes is the deepest, strongest relationship we will ever have, I encourage you to stop what you're doing and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me right now. You can get it in ebook and in print book. Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, any bookstore, anywhere. And if you don't sit on the shelves, just ask the clerk. 
you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me today, you probably have to email them, and they can get you a copy because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me and let me know how you enjoyed the story. And now, I'm excited. Let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Belinda Furl. Belinda is a certified master hypnotherapist and NLP master practitioner. Who the practitioner? We're going to have to ask her about some of this, you guys, and reconnective healing practitioner. She earned her Bachelor of Arts in English and Spanish from the University of California at Berkeley. She is a former school teacher. She has worked as an actress portraying Snow White at Disneyland. Go ahead, Belinda. And Belinda has also worked as a news reporter. She is trained with Anthony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, and has worked as a professional stunt car driver. She has just done so much. She received her HUNA, and that's H-U-N-A, H-U-N-A, training on Hawaii's Big Island, and she is the author of the book, Find Your Friggin' Joy. Please visit Belinda Furl online at hunahealing.com, and that's H-U-N, as in Nancy, A as in Apple, H-E-L-I-N-G.com. And again, that's H-U-N-A-H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com, hunahealing.com. We are absolutely delighted to have Belinda here with us this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, Belinda. Wow, well, thank you for that wonderful intro. Thank you for being letting me be here with you. <laughs> oh, we are so delighted to have you here with us and excited for what you're going to share and bless our Off the Shelf listeners with this morning. Now, the first few questions, Belinda, that I'm going to ask you, I ask yes. every single guest, so our listeners can get a little backstory on the guests before I go diving right into their books and and what it is specifically that they do. So to kick it off, Belinda, could you tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Wow. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles and the heart of Hollywood, I guess, at Cedars of Lebanon Hospital. I was an only child and I guess my my grandparents that I that raised me went through the depression, so there was a lot of lack. Even though I felt very loved and felt very abundant, we had a lot of lack, and that led to some interesting conversations I had with myself that eventually led to my back um, not doing too well and collapsing with herniated discs and nerve damage. Because if your spine doesn't support you, if you don't say good things about your support system, it listens to what you're saying, and then it eventually does exactly what you've told it to do, not support you. So that's where that stemmed from. But, you know, I overcame it and learned how to heal myself on the big island, doing the ancient Hawaiian healing called Huna, which means secret. And here I am talking to you now. Exciting. <laughs> oh, how did you get, I was, see, when I was in the Navy, this kind of interests me. When I was in the Navy, I was on the island of Oahu uh, a station, and it, Hawaii is just gorgeous. What, how did you get to Hawaii? What brought you there? Well, I was taking some classes in hypnosis. I wanted to know, because after 
after uh, working with Tony Robbins, he really didn't go deeper, as deep as I wanted to go into the psyche. And so after being five years of training with Tony, which was wonderful, which led me to doing my stunt car driving, because after you've done firewalks, you ask yourself, well, gee, what else would I like to do in my life that I haven't done? And so I'd always wanted to drive a race car. So ergo, I learned how to drive a race car, and then it turned into a almost 10-year career. But anyway, I was, I, I was interested in hypnosis and what you say to yourself, how things change at the unconscious level. They don't change at the conscious level. They only change inside. And so then I was sent to the Big Island of Hawaii where I was doing a master course on hypnosis. And that's what sent me to the Big Island. I didn't like water. I hated water, afraid of water. And then the (laughs) dolphins and the whales, they had other plans for me. And they recruited me to come out and swim with them. And I had to get over my fear of water to do that. And so for about 15 to 20 years, I led people out on the big island to meet the wild spinner dolphins. I've been swimming with them for the past 25 years. Oh, my gosh. There's so much to talk about. You, you <laughs> How you got over your fears. Oh, my goodness. What did you dream of becoming when you were a little girl? What did you say when I grew up, I want to be? Oh, I wanted to be an actress. Oh, so much. Oh. I wanted to entertain people. But I wanted to be um, on Broadway. I wanted to be on the stage. And I didn't know anything about film or anything. I just loved entertaining people and making people laugh and making them cry. You know, I would hold um, productions in our backyard, circus productions. And when we were on the, the, um, the bus to go into downtown with my grandmother, I would sing to the people and they would give me money. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I got the the idea that, wow, there's something here I can sing for my supper. <laughs> ah, okay, but, so you wanted to be. That, yeah, I, I wanted to be an actress, and I did some acting for about 20, about 20 years and did um, a lot of commercials and film work, and my stunt car driving was for film and television, and so I, I've had my fill. I'm a a lifetime member of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you, and that is so amazing. You know what? You've done everything it sounds like that you wanted to do, and not a lot of us can say that. So hopefully during the show I'll ask the right questions and you'll share something that can help people get through their fears so they can do what they really want to do. Now, you have a Spanish and an English degree. Had you always Mm -hmm. planned on becoming a teacher uh, after you were after you became a, a, a grown woman, was that something you wanted to be an actress? But had you also always wanted to be a teacher, or did you just get the degrees because you wanted to to know two different languages? Isn't that an interesting question? <laughs> um, I wanted to please my mother. Nobody had graduated from college in our family except my uncle, and you know, at that time, I mean, you know, we're talking over fifty years ago women didn't have all the choices that they have now, you know. So teaching was something that, you know, you could always fall back on, quote, unquote, fall back on. So when I graduated from Berkeley, um, Spanish 
is in my background. My mother is Spanish, and I wanted to learn how to speak that language. So I ended up majoring in it in English. I didn't, I didn't have any other talents, really, academically. I wasn't good in chemistry or physics or all these things that um, the big universities, you know, complement you with. So, um, yeah, I, I just, when I graduated, the first thing I did was go to Disneyland, and then they hired me as Snow White. So after being a college graduate, I worked as Snow White at Disneyland. <laughs> What a fascinating. But that was was fun. You know, really, I was attracted to jobs that would be fun. I wasn't attracted as much to the money because I really wanted to be happy from a very early age. I just thought something that would bring really fun to me and encourage other people to be that way, that was where I wanted to go. So You know what's so interesting? I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you, and I appreciate what you're sharing, but I hear how you've reached all the so far. You've achieved all your goals, and like I said, so many people haven't done that, but it sounds like your overarching goal was or target was you just wanted to have fun and be happy. It's You know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I asked my dad. He's since uh, passed on, but I asked him because I've always admired my dad. He always did what he wanted to do. I don't care if it was racial barriers or whatever. He Nothing ever stopped him. And so I asked him once, what was your goal? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean goal? He said, if you yes, know what exactly. I did, I, did I want to do with my life, he said I, my, his thing was that he would always live his own life. He said that was, if I had any goal, that was it. I'm going to live my own life. I'm not going to do what other people think I should do. I'm not going to live stuff to somebody else's expectations. I'm going to live my own life. And what a marvelous life he had, just like just like you. So so yeah. books, let's, just a little bit about books, and there's so much to discuss on the show with, with just your life. Who or what inspired you, Belinda, to pursue writing? What birthed your love for books? Well, isn't that interesting? I never wanted to write a book. It's, it's funny, the things that you never want to do, you end up doing, and I don't know how that works, but I wasn't really a book writer. I didn't like to sit down for long periods of time in front of a computer, um, but after I had this reconnection, the reconnected healing that you know I speak about a little bit, it seemed to accelerate me on my life's path, and I heard a guide inside me saying, you're going to write a book. We're going to help you. And I just said, fine, great, okay. And then all of a sudden, um, a gentleman appeared in my life, and he would help me organize my my time. And for three years, you know, he would say, all right, send me this chapter. All right, explain this to me. So I had someone who was kind of pulling me in the direction finally getting this book to a publisher. And it was because I had had done this reconnection, which is a two-day process, and what it does is it ties you to a bandwidth that's out in the universe. I guess what your real purpose is in your life. And I just didn't have a lot of that I, I... the inspiration for getting this out there, getting the book out there, inspired me 
to really sit down and buckle down and and do this book. I wanted people to really understand what it would be like to heal yourself because that's what I had to do when my back collapsed. That was wow. the whole purpose of the book. You know, I use and that so much. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Oh, I was going to say you've done so much, and then you come to this point where you have this this uh, this back injury. So I was going to ask you: Was there a specific life experience that caused you to want to pursue the healing arts? And if so, what happened? How did you? How did you? Did you have the back injury working as a stunt woman? Is that how you injured your back? Well, it's interesting. I, I was always kind of sickly as a child. I didn't know that I was allergic to milk products, and I drank milk and ate cheese and didn't know any of that until I started working with Tony Robbins. And then he started, in, you know, telling people that, you know, you're if you're allergic to milk, you shouldn't have any of this what he called cow pus. <laughs> and when I stopped having the cow pus, I stopped being sick. And um, that was one of the, you know, one of the integral things that I had to let go of in my life. But what was your question? I'm sorry. No, how did you, so I was asking you, how did you injure your back? Were you, did you injure your back working as a stunt woman or? It was, I was an adrenaline junkie. And so I never really listened to my body. I would just ride a bicycle until I dropped I would rollerblade. I would. I was just. I was so excited about life and just going faster and doing things that I failed to see and to feel my back kind of getting very um, tentative and it was starting to hurt me. I would just endure the pain because you don't admit that you have pain when you're a stunt driver. <laughs> you go. You work through that pain. And then eventually I collapsed with the herniated discs and the nerve damage. And the doctors told me I would never walk again unless I had surgery. Well, by that time, when I wasn't working, I got dropped from my insurance company, so I had no insurance. So I had nothing but to say to myself, wow, I'm going to have to heal, heal myself or I'm wow. not long for this world. So I had been studying the Hawaiian healing for about three years in Hawaii, and I thought, okay, physician, heal thyself. My first husband and only husband was an orthopedic surgeon, and he was always trying to heal me with Western medicine, and for some reason, I was always rejecting it. I I didn't want a pill. I wanted to say, gee, there must be some way that our bodies will react. If we just keep the door open, it'll know how to heal itself. And I I knew this intuitively and instinctively. I hadn't studied it, but it was just a feeling that I had. And when I got divorced at 40 and I started working with Tony Robbins and doing the hypnosis, that's when all that came into play. And then I realized I had been saying some things to myself from childhood that I was not able to support myself. Remember, my my family had gone through the depression, so they they were always kind of telling me there was lack. 
And so when I'm saying that to myself, the unconscious mind which runs your body listens to what the conscious mind says. And so I had said that for years. I can't support myself. I can't stand up for myself. And then it collapsed back. So I had to rearrange my thoughts. I had to say, thank you. Thank you for remembering to support me. Thank you for regenerating. And I would touch my back, and I could feel almost like electricity going through a different a different kind of um, message that I was giving to my body. Because we give the messages to our body. We tell our bodies what to do. Even when we get angry at something, the unconscious mind will release a chemical to bruise your heart muscle when you get angry. And the leading cause of death in this country is through heart attacks. So we have to really be conscious of what we're saying to ourselves so that we can uplift our our immune system and heal ourselves. Yes. You know what I want also wanted to ask you? I, years ago I read Awaken the Giant Within and that book was I did oh, a yeah. workshop work it was it was so changing, life changing for me that book. Because mm-hmm. uh, I thought, oh, I'm I'm I've dealt I've dealt with all my stuff and I thought I was good to mm-hmm. go. And I read that book. <laughs> was it, uh, may, maybe not. What was that like? You know, he said he went years and never even took a day off, and he said he wouldn't do that again. But he's so high energy. What was it like working with him? And were you in big groups mm-hmm. working with him? What, what was that? What was that experience like? He he was he's like a nuclear you know nuclear. <laughs> he is. He seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> we would be yes. up at three in the morning with some of his seminars. Um, I I worked as a volunteer for years, and then I was his stage manager. I just wanted to be near all of that learning and all that. I mean, he had so much knowledge, and he was very very talented in getting people to let go of their fears. And I I still as much as I loved working with him. I was embarrassed to tell him that I was fearful of water, that I just, I would not go into, you know, the people that had water phobias. I was too embarrassed. So I had to do that when I got to Hawaii. And when that came about, I was doing a breathing exercise in Hawaii at a seminar to bring down the higher self. And it was a deep, conscious breath to the top of my head, holding it, and then letting it go with a ha breath. And I did that for about 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden, dolphins and whales started coming into my my mind, my psyche, and they wouldn't leave me alone. That night, they Mm. invaded my dreams. They were in my dreams. I'd never had dolphins and whales in my radar. I, I wasn't into the water or the ocean, or fish, (laughs) and then suddenly they're there, and I'm swimming with them, and all of a sudden, I was just, I I have to go, I have to go out and be with them, I have to, I, they're calling me, but I have to get through my fear of the water, so I found somebody who would take me, he guided me out there, I I think I gave him scars on his arm because my nails dug in so deeply. I was so scared. (laughs) But I got out there. The dolphins came. They downloaded information into me, and I lost my fear. 
completely. All wow. I wanted to do was go out there and swim and be with the wild dolphins. And they open your heart so much. They teach you how to love unconditionally. When you look eye to eye with a dolphin, it just melts you. It bakes you. And I've been they doing that them. now. Yeah, they're, they love humans, too. They seem very they, intelligent and very yeah. gentle. And very gentle. That's, very that's gentle. right. Well, they, uh, they, they, they can be rough, too. <laughs> Oh, okay. And you would know. know. You swim with them. You would know. Maybe they don't mean to be. They're just so big that they they don't realize. I don't know. Well, they warn you. They warn you. What one day I was playing, and we're talking over a 25-year period. I had this one experience with a dolphin hitting me on the back of my back and my left arm to pay attention, and I looked straight up, and a shark was coming right at me. Wow. and I, but as soon as I saw that, all the pod of dolphins circled me, and the, the shark couldn't get in. And so he went down below, and in that instant, I mean, it's like you're having this dream. That instant, I said to myself, gee, he has nobody to play with. He's all by himself. Look at all my, all my playmates. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, what, a, what an approach. <laughs> What yeah, well, so, yeah, I, I got I got out of the water, but I mean those dolphins were there for me. They saved me, and they've been doing that ever since. Now, what are the two top benefits? We had another guest on not too long ago. It's kind of ironic, who also did the firewalk, and she actually is from the UK. And she was a teacher, and I kind of thrust into that role early in her 20s. But she lost her – it's kind of interesting. You said you had back issues. She lost her ability to walk for a while, and she still, I think, uses a wheelchair. But she learned how to just get get through her life and, and doing wonderfully. But she did that fire walk, and she didn't think she could do it, but she said somebody went in front of her who actually didn't have – either legs or, the, oh, he did it on his hands. And she said, oh, I know oh, I can yeah. do it now. She said, oh, she <laughs> said, oh, I know I can do it now. Now, what are the top, what are the top two benefits that that you gained from from firewalking? Does it, like, take away all your fear? Like, you're no, you're no longer afraid of anything after you do something like that? Well, Tony prepares you pretty, pretty, pretty well. You write down a list of all your fears before you go out there to the fire. And that includes, you know, the fear of walking on fire and getting your flesh burned off. That's a fear. <laughs> and then you, you know, you wad it up and you throw it into the fire. And the reason that you don't burn is you get very, your, your whole breath becomes one with the fire. He gets you worked up so that you you and the fire are the same element. And when you're the same element, you can't burn because you're one with that fire. I learned that doing the elements in, in Huna. We're all just a combination of earth and air, fire and water. So when you become one with that fire, you don't burn. Now, I burned severely. <laughs> I did 18 firewalks. And wow. I burned 
around the eighth time that my son was walking and he was right behind me and I was focused more on his safety than mine and that was stupid. I should never have done that. You have to be in the state. You have to be committed to that state for 150%. And I was distracted. He was fine, but I was distracted, and I wasn't feeling good that day. I should never have walked. But it was a good thing because you realize you've had successes. This one was a slight failure, and... Then the next time I walked was in Maui, and it was a 50-foot fire walk, and I was in state, boy. <laughs> okay. I really was. Yeah, Linda. Oh, good for you. And you know what our mistakes teach You know what our mistakes teach us in ways that, and I believe we're eternal beings. We will never end. Our mistakes teach us in ways sometimes they really, it gets our attention in ways we, we learn lessons that are, it's just almost a gift, the, the, the lessons yeah. that come with it. Now, now for our off-the-shelf listeners who they may not be anywhere near fire walking, they might be like, oh, no, I could never do that, or swimming in the ocean with dolphins and you see a shark and you don't, like, <laughs> start flailing and panicking. Can you share three tips? Now, you sort of did the one with the – you have to become one with the fire, we're all one, but how somebody could – start to feel like they're one with the thing they fear. If you could share three tips to that our off-the-shelf listeners could use to break through, to finally break through, because I don't think it's willpower, but to break through and overcome fear. Some people, their fears have been holding them hostage for decades. Right. If you could just share three tips, then maybe somebody gets a breakthrough today. Well, you know, with the firewalk, it's a metaphor for your life because you say to yourself, if I can walk on this 2,000 degrees of hot coals, what else could I do in my life that I'm not doing? And so what came up for me is that I always wanted to drive a race car. And I thought, well, I can't do that. But then Tony teaches you a mantra, and if this can help, if you say you can't, you must. And if you must, you will. So there is no can't. As soon as you hear can't, then you have to say to yourself, well, then I must do that. And if you must do it, then you will do it. And I called a race car um, company that was in the wine country in Sonoma. And a few months later, I was there for the four-day Grand Prix road racing course, scared to death, absolutely scared to death. I said, you know, I don't know anything about this but I'm willing to be a sponge and to learn everything you can, you can show me. And as it turned out, I had some talent and was hired to drive for Buick and Cadillac at the end of my four-day Grand Prix road racing course in New York, of all places, upper state New York. And that's where my stunt driving career began. And for, the, for my lifetime, I've said, anytime I say can't, I must do it. And it pushes you through that barricade because, Fear is nothing but false evidence that appears real, F-E-A-R. It's false. So if you can break through the mind and just realize that that barrier that you have in front of yourself is made of paper, then you can do anything. The world is your oyster. So if you you say I can't, then then turn that into must. Must, you have no choice, and then do it. And also become one 
not if it's something like if, if you have like a negative fear, but if there's become one with, I guess, whatever the goal is or what you think is stopping you from it. So what's the third tip? If you have a third tip for our listeners <laughs> to help them break, break through, to stop being a hostage. I mean, I, I think of people, even people I've met in churches, it's, it's almost sad. There's something they really want to do. And I've had people tell me, I've always wanted to do this. And then they give me all, a reason why they can't a reason why they'll never do it. But is there another tip that can help somebody break through, just stop being a hostage, break through and overcome a fear so they can live a more happier, joy-filled life? Well, remember, everything is a story. So these are stories that people make up to give themselves an excuse to not do something. And if you can tell yourself a different story, then you can break through anything. It's not, there's no stress in the world. None. It's just people with stressful thoughts. So it's the thought that they have to change. And as I said, fear is false evidence that appears real. But you could also say to the thing that you're most afraid of, I'm feeling excited and ready. Mm. You know, if they said that to themselves, fear, F-E-A-R, feeling excited and ready. I'm ready to go. And you, you'll see that your unconscious mind will create a different chemical inside your body that will get you excited. I remember my first race at Sears Point Raceway, and I was really getting scared. I was saying things like, oh, this is scary, and oh, my God, what am I doing here? And then all of a sudden I remembered feeling excited. It's same, the same place excited is created in the pit of your stomach, just where scared is. So I'd rather be excited, and when I got excited, I was like ready, ready for that whistle to blow and for the for the race to start. You have to realize that your body is a laboratory. It's a laboratory of chemicals, and whatever you say to yourself, you're creating that chemical that's going to either get you excited and ready to go, or run down your immune system and all your healing energy with fear. That's what fear does. Lowers all of your healing and your healing energy. Wow. So if you can you know, they say, that story, they, they, they say there's only fear and love, but it's good so you, to remember, this is just a story that I'm telling myself. Let me change yeah. the story. It's just, it's just a story I'm telling myself. Let me change the story. The same way you could do in a dream, let me change it. What is HUNA healing? H-U-N-A. Is this a native Hawaiian practice? What is HUNA healing? Well, HUNA was a name that was created by a man who came to the islands in about 1917, Max Freedom Long. And he was a teacher, and he saw these kahunas doing all these amazing healings. I mean, things that he would only think Jesus could do, you know, putting bones together, letting people see where they couldn't see before. And he said, where is this written down? I want to know how to do this. Nothing was written down. So he called this ancient Hawaiian healing kuna, which means secret. These were the ancient secrets. Now, the kahunas were persecuted for doing a lot of these healings from the missionaries that came over. They thought it was superstition. They thought it was sorcery. You know, they would see people healing for no reason, and they couldn't understand it. But there, 
what they were doing was reaching the Holy Spirit. They were reaching the higher self. They were, there was actually a recipe for allowing this to happen. That's how my back healed. My higher self healed me. And I worked on it for about a month, but it was almost like a feeling of a miracle because I was born with scoliosis as a child. I had to wear a brace for two years. My scoliosis completely went away. My back healed. I had no pain. When I went to see the doctor, they they saw an aligned spine, which I've never had in my life before. So I can't explain what the higher self does, but it's learning how to get a prayer to reach the higher self, to pray in a way that the higher self hears it. And you know what the scriptures tell us, that an absolute in the state I guess our minds are in now is you have to have faith. You have to almost believe this thing has already occurred. This thing I'm asking for has already occurred. That that okay. that is like a key part of it. Now so why you know you said that people thought okay he comes there to the healing the same when Christ came. People are very afraid of this. They're very afraid mm-hmm. of this. You can do it from within. You can do it you can connect to your higher self and do it. People are very afraid. They're very afraid when Christ said it, that the this divine source and I are one. That scares people. They get into this hocus pocus. And we know that there are people who do black magic like witchcraft and stuff, so this is not what we're talking yeah. about. But people just get scared about it. Why do you well, think we have so power. much faith? Why do you think we have so much faith in Western medicine? Like, here, take this pill. It's really kind of magical because the pill really, I'm told, doesn't really heal us. But why do you think we have so much faith in Western medicine but not in, like, the divine source connection healing? Well, we were never really given that opportunity to trust ourselves, to say that you're a powerful being, a powerful, loving being, that you are so loved and that you can connect to that eternal love. We were not taught those teachings. We were taught to fear. We were taught to, you know, to give all of our attention to somebody else, to a higher power, which is fine. But we are also powerful beings in ourselves. And I think just over the years, you know, the fear comes in, and that's all that you believe. You don't think anything else. And fear debilitates you, completely debilitates you. It's the love that creates the growth and the faith that you have in yourself. And I can tell you from my own perspective that it works. <laughs> I, yes. mean, I, I, I completely, this was over 25 years ago, and it's true that I had no other recourse. I was very motivated because I had no insurance. I couldn't have surgery, thank God I never did. And Again, I have that outlined in my book, exactly what I did. Forgiveness is a huge part of it. It's forgiving yourself for the way that you've been looking at things, the way you've been judging yourself. When you forgive yourself, you clear the pipeline that connects you to your higher self. You have to have a clear pipeline up to the higher self to allow the higher self to know what it is that you're 
wishes are. So when you now, cut cords, yes. No, no, go ahead. When you cut, you said when you cut. When you cut your cords, these are cords that are connecting you to whatever it is that you're um, involved with, to whatever it is that happens. So maybe something horrific happened to you, and you're holding that um, blame and that guilt, and you hold on to it, and it keeps repeating itself and multiplying itself. It creates a, um, like a phobia inside. It creates um, not something good, and it's like, like a ball of energy that's dark, and so that can create a disease. So the more that you can let go of those kinds of interpretations, it will lighten you up and bring you back into the present time. There's a, a process called Ho'oponopono, and it means to make right right. And that's the forgiveness process that I was taught, and it's the basis of the, of the huna, of the healing. I cut cords every day. I forgive myself every day for my interpretations of what I see with my eyes, and I let them go. And what happens is that whatever it is that you've let go of will rise up to a higher level, and you'll be able to resolve things in a much better and a more happy way. Does that what make sense? I, yes. It, you know, I've often, and, and I'll share this this experience before we, I would definitely want to talk about your book, Find Your Freaking Joy, uh, next, mm-hmm. um, the, the next, like, 20 minutes. Um, I remember reading in a magazine about the power of forgiveness, and I really wasn't, buying it so much, but I said, I'm going to try this. There was this lady I went to church with. For some reason, she just was not kind to me. Uh, she initially was. She had a role. When I stepped into the role uh, that she didn't want, said she didn't want to do anymore, she just treated me so unkind. So this is what somebody told me. Just start saying out loud, I love you, and say the person's name. And just do it for about an hour straight. So I was doing my laundry after church, and I just, I love you. And at first, I didn't, I didn't want to say it. I'm like, oh, you make me sick. I don't love you. And then I just kept saying it. That next Sunday, she came up to me and gave me a hug, and she never was as mean to me ever again. That blew me away. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, the, the way you describe it, I didn't think of it as that, but it did do something. I will tell you. That's it. It. It did do something. It. It, that it did. Yeah. Now, well, there, what there is, are four phrases. There are four phrases. You say, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. I love you, I forgive you, thank you. The person you're forgiving is yourself. But if you want to put her name there or see the person down below you, you can say it for no other reason, just that that's your mantra for the day. Just, I'm sorry for whatever it is. Maybe you're sad about something. Maybe you feel guilty about something. You don't even have to know why it is you're saying it, but you're saying it, and it makes you feel good. It, what it does is it neutralizes or purifies that thought, the painful thought. And you don't purify the person, the place, or thing, but you neutralize the energy you associate with that person, place, or thing. You just purify that energy, and then it gets 
released. It becomes a I brand do. new slate. I, I'm a definite yeah. believer in forgiveness. Now, what inspired you to write Find Your Friggin' Joy? What, what <laughs> inspired you to write this book? Well, as you know, I don't know if you've read the book, but my son committed suicide in 2008. He was addicted to painkillers for two botched um, surgeries on his back. He had a ski accident mm. when he was younger. His father, who was an orthopedic surgeon, told him that he was never going to get better unless he had surgery, and he believed that. Even though I was completely on the other side of the fence, he went and had the surgery, and it he was always in pain, always in pain. And so finally, he couldn't take the pain anymore. He, he couldn't do the emotional healing kind of work that I was doing, although he saw me heal completely from my back injury. Um, there are some people who can't go there. They just, they can't, and they have to, you know, they have to do life in their own way. And it was just heart-wrenching um, to go through that. But that was one of the experiences that took me on this journey because I not only lost my son, but I lost all my money in a Ponzi scheme. So this was all happening at the same time. I had to sell things. I had to go live with my daughter. It was a very emotional, upheaval, gut-wrenching, where the rug is just pulled out from underneath you, and you've got to see what you're made of. And I didn't want to be a burden to anybody, so I would just, again, keep cutting my cords, keep forgiving myself for what was going on. And eventually, it's interesting, money came back to me, um, and it was like a miracle. Where I don't know from where, but it did come back. I, I learned how to do the reconnective healing, and um, I moved out of my daughter's place and got my own place and started my life over, and it was, it was amazing. That's when I was told I was going to write the book, and I had a lot to say by that time because I was picking myself up from many ashes. <laughs> you know, bless you. My son uh, uh, passed in December 2017, so I know the pain oh, or that comes with seeing a child as something that's like a total reverse. The parent you think is supposed to, and my son's with blood clots, but it is, it's, I don't think, that, I think those experiences change you and they are intended to you can't go back to the way you used to be i just tell myself that old me is gone and you just can try to keep going forward can you give our off the shelf listeners i'm listening to this title find your freaking joy can you give them a little overview of the book what what do you cover are there work worksheet worksheets or exercises that they complete can you just tell our listeners this is their first time hearing about the book. If you could just give them an overview of Find Your Friggin' Joy. I wanted to write a book that every person could understand. Lay people, you didn't have to be a healer, you didn't have to know anything about healing, but you could understand it. I have drawings inside. I, I taught third grade, so I know how to appeal to all different kinds of grade levels. And I wanted to write a book that was simple enough and that, Anybody could do it if they were really motivated to do it. And that's what this book does. It takes you through a journey, through my journey, and how my back 
did collapse, how you can heal yourself with the forgiveness process and how you can clear your pipeline up to your higher self and create healing. It's not, I say it's not for sissies. You have to want to really heal yourself because if you don't want to, nothing's going to help that. You have free will and free will is what takes you on that journey. You can say yay or nay and your angels or your guides, they will help you when you say yay. You'll, they'll be right there by your side. And it's, it's, it's a book that really appeals to, I think, all, all types of people. But again, they have to want to be the realm of their healing. What is the magic? The magic. What, yeah. is, what is that? Well, I try to de- de-simplify the word magic because once you know how a trick is done or once you know how something's done, it demystifies the magic because you know how it's done. So I just call it a, a recipe of how to heal yourself. If you know how to do that, then it's not really magical anymore because you can do it. You can make it happen. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the only um, reference. I love magic. You know, I love to be excited and, you know, just from innovation. I, I love stories of um, ancient Camelot and Arthur and Merlin and magicians, but when it's done for the highest good. That's that's the criteria. You must do it for the highest good or else it doesn't have any power. Now, you know, Neville Goddard, Goddard, he read a book called The Five Lessons. He he says everything's imagination and vision. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him, but he said sometimes even Mm -hmm. with all he had accomplished using his imagination, his vision, you want something, you see it, and if any, any resistance, you just stick with that vision. Uh, and there's a scripture that talks about the vision that you just have to have faith and keep it until it comes comes to pass. That shared. We live in a busy world. We live in a busy world, and there are a lot of us here. There is not just one person. And we get mm-hmm. distracted, and we have our jobs, and we we have to we keep up our homes, and we keep up our our health, and our and we just so many different things, hobbies, and. People call us out of the blue, and different things happen. How do is there a is there a tip to stay focused in such a busy world where there's so much distraction? There's so much distraction. I have to have yeah. I have to have a time that I do my rituals. You have to have a time set aside for your rituals, whatever that is, and. One of my main ones is that I take a bath at night and I cut my cords at night. And so that is my ritual. And I do my um, breathing and when I'm in the bathtub, it's just the time. I don't care if it's 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I do my ritual. And during the day, I take maybe a few minutes where I read something from a book that reminds me again of, how I got here and how to do the healing practice. I read my Huna books. Um, I just do them every day so that I keep getting stronger. I don't care how busy it is. That's important to me. 
You have to figure what is important to me and, you know, play that, um, play that chord. Because you have to say, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. You have to be consistent. It's, it's, this isn't, like you said, magic where you just say some words uh, and then, like, uh, and then something just happens. It, it, it does. It does call for our participation. It does call for our participation. Right. How can we already have it all and not mm-hmm. even know it? You know, you hear people say things like, "When something happened, it was right there in front of me, and the whole time, and I never saw it." And then one day, boom, mm-hmm. I saw it. How can we already <laughs> have it all and, and not even, not even be aware of it? Well, just be grateful that you get to breathe another day, you know, that we're here on this planet. We get to breathe one more day. There's a, we have a homeless population in Santa Cruz, and there's a gentleman that um, I've gotten kind of close to, and I help him every chance I get, and I really, he's always got a smile. I mean, he sleeps outside. He sleeps in the in the forest or at a bus stop. But every time I come up to him and I ask him how he's doing today and give him something, he's always got a smile. And it's just amazing to me how he's just so happy with where he is. And he might have the last laugh on all of us. You know, he doesn't have any taxes to put, to pay. He doesn't have anything. He just, survival is his is his thing. But he's very happy and grateful and you can tell in his eyes that he's okay because I say is there anything I can do can I take you somewhere do something nope he's just happy right where he is Mm. now can you tell us some ways you did talk about breaking the cords are there any other Mm -hmm. ways uh, meditation Walks in nature. I can tell you, walking in nature has been tremendously helpful for me. But are there any oh, other yeah. ways that we can connect with our higher self? And you know, is it possible to go your whole physical experience and never have one connection that you can recall <laughs> with your higher self? Like so I've heard people say they've tried to do it, and they're like, I just haven't been able to. Well, again, the only thing that's stopping is is a plugged-up pipeline. You know, you've got to get Roto-Rooter in there to de-plug you, and that has to do with forgiveness. You've got to be able to forgive yourself from the darkest things from your past because the, the prayer cannot reach the higher self if there's a plugged-up pipeline. And that's the main thing. Your conscious mind talks to the unconscious mind and it creates something in the future that you have to know that you that you have it. When I was a stunt car driver, I could ha- I had to see the stunt already done completely successfully and then I would just do it because I knew in my mind's eye it had already been done. I could see out into the future and I could see the director saying, it's a wrap, great. We got it in the can, so I must have done it right, and then I could go ahead and do it. I saw it already. You have to see what it is that you're creating and see it perfectly clear and decide that's it. And then breathe that up to your higher self and believe with all your might that that is 
what is going to happen. It's your belief. It's your faith. And then you've got to do the work of cutting the cords, taking responsibility for everything that happens to you in your life and not saying things to hurt yourself or to hurt other people, leading a hurtless life. And there's so much of that going on in the world. We almost are cheerleaders, almost cheerleaders to don't like this person and then that don't like that person. And it's you can almost get caught up in that current, caught up in that current. <laughs> and before you yeah. know it, you just riding that current. And and who does it? Who does it benefit? But yes, to stay free of that, you know, to to. And are there any other ways as we're wrapping up? Any specific things you said? Do your work. You do your rituals. Don't get too busy to. If it's meditating, some people meditate an hour a day. Some just ten minutes. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of Wayne Dyer. He said he used to for an hour when he was in Hawaii, and the changes that he saw happen to him. Some people it's a bubble bath. Some people it's affirmations and and visual take doing visualizing. Some people it's their vision boards, but. And they and people who commit to these things say it works. They will say, yeah. this is what I did, and I look back and all of it came to pass. They'll say that it yeah. works. Are there any other specific things people can do? E- I'm thinking easy things that people can do to ex- so they can experience more joy right now. Well, I think if they loved somebody more or loved someone more, when you're feeling bad, you need to love another person more, and then you'll feel good. Mm. You know, you start feeling sorry for yourself, call somebody and see if you can brighten their day or get them to laugh. And then all of a sudden your problem is going to fall, <clears throat> fall by the wayside. Laughter wow. is a muscle. You know, if you can, if you can laugh and just ha, It does it make you feel you better I, I, right away. That is, that is, that's why comedians are in the world. <laughs> that is, right. that is one. It does make you feel better right away. As soon as, soon as you laugh. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was in the Navy, I was on a very isolated base, and I was feeling so isolated. I mean, it was incredibly isolated. And I yeah. remember asking for help, and the guidance I was given was find someone to help. And that didn't make any sense yeah. to me, but when you just said that, it find somebody to help, find somebody to connect with, find somebody to love. You know, we have to be safe doing that because uh, some people would do you harm. But, yeah, that was the advice that I was given. I'm telling you, Belinda, I could keep going on and on, and <laughs> I, I just pray that the right people find this show today or whenever they find it, and maybe somebody does get that break- breakthrough or they do get set free so but before i close i have to ask you if somebody wanted to reach out to you do you have any online or offline programs or services that you work with people one-on-one to help them get a breakthrough so could you share that with us well i i do phone sessions so if they go to my website and contact me by email um at com, we can arrange for a phone session, I you know I do four levels of teaching Huna here in Santa Cruz, um, but we can also set up things on Skype. So everything's possible if someone has the desire to make the changes. And I was in the Navy too. I was married to a Navy 
person. Where where were you located? Wahoo, Wahoo. I was in Wahoo, Hawaii. Not by Pearl Harbor, but Kenia. Okay, we were in Puerto Rico. In Ponce, Puerto Rico, in Roosevelt. Oh Road. no 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 no! I wasn't. No, I never I never been to Puerto Rico. I have a friend who's from there. But I have I that that I have never been to Puerto Rico. Oh, so okay, Navy connection. Navy connection. <laughs> we we are at the end at top of the hour, the end of our show. For those of you who may have come in midstream or at the end of the show, no worries. Once it finishes streaming, you can go listen to it as often as you like in its entirety in the archives and share it with people who you think might benefit. If you know somebody who's blocked or you know you are and you can fill it in yourself, maybe you feel angry all the time or you feel sad all the time, I really encourage you to listen to the show in its entirety and to reach out to Belinda or even ask your higher self, what should I do next? What should I do next? So you can get a breakthrough. We have just been blessed, blessed, blessed this morning with Belinda Furl. She's a certified master hypnotherapist, NLP master practitioner, UNA practitioner, and reconnective healing practitioner. She healed her back. She didn't have insurance. She had to do it herself, connecting with our higher source, and she did do that. And she's the author of the book, Find Your Friggin' Joy. She's a former actress. She she's portrayed Snow White at Disneyland, a former stunt driver, news reporter, and school teacher. Again, the author of Find Your Friggin' Joy. I encourage you to get a copy of her book. When you see what all she's come through, Find Your Friggin' Joy. And she's online at hunahealing.com, H-U-N-A-H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. If you listen to the show and you say, I would like to work with her, I think she might be able to help me. She said that you could go contact her through her website. Again, it's HunaHealing.com, H-U-N-A-H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Thank you so much, Belinda. Please go get a copy of her book, Find Your Friggin' Joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Belinda. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you to each of our listeners. This is just such a beautiful, glorious day. I really encourage you to listen to today's show in its entirety because it might it might you might just let it bless you go out and create you as i always tell you all you're so awesome amazing and incredible and you are you are you are go out and create a fabulous day for yourself belinda i'll shoot you an email after the show finishes streaming bye for now aloha